You're listening to Outside Radio. What's good, everybody? It is Supreme Soul. Welcome back to yet another episode of Active Podcast. You can hit us up on IG at Outside Radio underscore, IONOFM, Apple Podcaster, and Spotify. You can also check us out on our website, which is www.outsideradio.live. Shout outs to the team. Shout outs to Nico, Lele, Kusanza, and Mo, and as well as the writers, Upali, Sazi, and Wuli. So, for those who don't know what Active Podcast is about, Active Podcast is a podcast where we discuss music and art and the underappreciated behind the scenes. So, today, I've got a very talented director and playwright, Hannah. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much, Supreme. Thanks so much, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. How are you feeling today? I am good. You know, it's been quite a it's been quite a fun heritage day for me, I think, because I found myself bathing kids, cleaning a house, and doing grocery shopping all before 12 a.m. So if you have kids and a family, you know that's almost impossible on any day. So, yeah, I'm probably I'm probably going to be stepping into that. I don't know. Maybe the time is going, and, and I'm getting older, so I'll probably. Do it. Do but I do it. find someone who's special and I really love. Then I can like share that with them, you know. But um, can you can can you tell us a little bit more about who Hannah is? You know, give us a bit of a background of how you grew up as well, or where you were, were you in between cities? Um, so, who is Hannah? Who is Hannah? My name is Hannah Nogwazi Fandonder. Um, it's a bit of a tongue twister um, and it raises a lot of eyebrows. I grew up in the northern parts of KwaZulu Natal, Freyheit, um, Lankrans, Platorand. Um, I was orphaned as a child, I was then adopted. Um, I stayed sort of in KZN for the first 13 years of my life. And then my family and I landed up moving to Joburg. Uh, I got introduced to theater in high school. Um, and I remember watching a piece of work. It was a love story in particular. And I thought, okay, what am I gonna do with myself? I'm in the city, what are the possibilities? And is this Popeye-ish thing for real? This Grikech thing, is it, is it a thing? Um, and I just watched this, this performance. It was a two-hander. It was a beautiful love story and I got hooked. And I realized, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, I studied really hard. I got my, uh, what is it, my honors degree in dramatic arts um, at the University of Witzwatersrand. Um, I'm, com- I'm completing my master's in social anthropology this year. Um, I'm also known as your favorite stepmom, um, but really just a lover of life, a bit of an activist, uh, a bit of a, of a nerd. Um, a bit too crazy to be creative at times. Sometimes I scare myself when I have to recall the thoughts of what I believed was possible. Uh, but definitely uh, a pusher of passion. And I believe that the future is now. And, and we are that. So that's, that's a bit of who Hannah is. Okay, that's great. Um, there was a bit of like a, a mouthful there. And like you told me a lot about um, what you've done and your experience and how you grew up. Um, can you tell me 
was there a passion for theater always or did you have something else that you that you loved doing before you you fell into theater um so at about the age of five four five um i think the first thing my mother did is sent me to a dance school and there was a little sort of like modern contemporary dance jazz and tap dancing school in my hometown um and so she just i guess thought that would be a good outlet um and so i did that and i did really really well i landed up uh, traveling the country actually uh, doing that type of dance um but i remember always being seen as the underdog as well so it would always be like this little black girl is walking around with all these little white girls and africana girls and everybody's trying to understand who she is and then i sort of get on stage mm. and i i completely blow away the stereotype that black people can dance and well um and so i grew up sort of in that space i always wanted to do ballet um but i think that's just like you know social conditioning and and stuff like that in hindsight i i kind of look and i'm very grateful that i never got that opportunity to do that um so definitely dance and movement was a strong part um of me growing up a, a beautiful outlet for me to understand myself understand who i was becoming um and sort of understanding sort of the social political economic spaces in which i was uh, pushed in and out of then moving from northern kwazulu natal where the only idea of acting that small town people want to accept is generations and unfortunately uh, i'm not a tembi from generations my accent sells me out I'm too wide for that I couldn't do it. Um but then yeah like I said coming into the city and finding how how culturally creative Gauteng in particular is uh, and was um and how sort of gendered politics or racial politics uh, had a had a way of falling falling aside um you know the city never sleeps and it's sort of got that you know if you work hard you can do it motto and i think i really held on to that greatly when i started understanding myself as a storyteller uh, as a vessel for sharing and and holding knowledge and information and and as then a, a theater practitioner and somebody who really wanted to focus on drama studies and 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 understanding i guess the 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 heart uh, but also the technique and the training of that um and yeah but I, i've always been sort of the awkward funny person I'm I'm one of the boys I crack too many jokes um and so yeah I think I think even in my in me being outcast at times it was always out of ha 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 oh hana oh ha 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 fantoner um, <laughs> and yeah and so I I decided instead of using that as a weakness instead of using my creativity as a weakness how do I use it as a as my strength how do I master it how do I become more than just that funny girl from that party um And yeah, and then and then I think I've said I'm a pusher, I'm a push pandamera. Um and so I'm stubborn as well. So when I believe in something, uh there are no excuses for me. Oh, that's 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 totally great. I feel like we should be, you know, pushing and not just waiting for people to hand out things and um you know, I I like your spirit and I like the fact that you are, you know, you you want to make things happen and the dream come true. So um in terms of like uh the current state of theater in South Africa so what is your opinion about that um you've experienced going overseas from a young age right um so like what is your like 
um, opinion when it comes to like the current state of uh, theatre in South Africa? In my opinion, the current state of theatre in South Africa is it's kind of like a cold sore. I mean, we can all see that it's looming and glooming and some ointment needs to be put on it, but um, you you sort of have to allow a cold sore to heal over time or to disappear over time. And I say this metaphorically in the sense that there are a lot of uh, key stakeholders in the South African theatre industry who have started something quite beautiful but have turned into cold sores. Um, and us as a new generation, oftentimes we sort of have to put on the ointment and uh, we've got to wait for it to dry out um, in order for a new healing uh, to, to be brought out, in order for a new flesh, a new skin to take over. And so I believe that currently the South African theatre industry almost has a torch on this cold sore, on this blister. Um, and it's about saying, all right, how do we, not just as a nation, but how do we as individuals, because when a lot of individuals get together, we become a collective, we become a nation, we become a group. So how do we as individuals, especially as the youth, uh, say, all right, during COVID-19, uh, what was the pain, what were the aches that uh, COVID-19 was able to to reveal to us through this cold sore um, and how do we heal it? How do we continue to create art, not just for the youth, but work that transcends uh, through generations uh, for those who have come before us to decide to hand over uh, the flashlight to us and actually allow us to excel. But also how much work do we need to be putting in as a youth, um, as a youth, uh, within the South African theatre industry in particular um, and not taking this time to sort of sit back and say, woe is me, I'm broke, uh, there's nothing I can do. Um, in actual fact, our generation sort of grew up a bit alongside the internet. Um, of course, the internet overtook so many of us, uh, but that's the beauty of seeing something grow. You can always stand back from it. You've always got a referral. Um, and I, I think a lot of artists this year in particular uh, decided to play uh, the fear factor, the excuse. The, well, it's there. The cold sore is there and it's only being heightened. Uh, we, we are only seeing more corruption now because there's nothing else to do but to focus on, on what could possibly be um, where really we need to be coming in with the approach to say, what is the ointment that we need to, to fill in the spots? How do we use technology, the digital age? Uh, how do we use the, the new generation, Gen Z? How do we use indigenous storytelling and bring it back to surface uh, bring it back to its freshness uh, to its originality uh, through these new very western uh, modes of communication and then again how do we hold on to uh, the truth of the authentic south african story uh, and i think for me we can speak about direction we can speak about writing production uh, uh, who's the cast who worked on set and costume uh, but really we've got to bring it back into what is the reality of our day right now and how do we begin to create the new face of what the South African theatre industry uh, should be and I believe is moving towards uh, through the ability, uh, the privilege, uh, the access of technology and information that was sort of forced upon a lot of artists uh, during 2020 COVID-19 times. 
Okay, and uh, like you've mentioned, like uh, probably like a few challenges as well. Like, what are your own personal challenges that you have experienced during this time uh, when it comes to also creating um, screenwriting plays? Do you find it a little bit difficult right now than it was before, or is it, is it still the same? You know, for me, uh, and I think a lot of us artists do this, we always like scapegoats, right? So it's a pandemic. I've never experienced a pandemic before. Yo, shout out. Let's record this. Let's see what can come out of it. Um, and so for me, when I look at the creative aspect, uh, 2019 only forced me to be more creative. To say, okay, I don't usually have the space. Uh, how do I put resources together to to access what I want out of art because art doesn't take a break uh creativity doesn't sleep and in fact that's probably when it's the most awake because when us as humans uh think it doesn't exist think it's not there um i think oftentimes we use the word magic haphazardly but i truly believe uh covid19 a time of trauma uh, a time of uh, re-trauma a time of uncertainty and a time of fear has also been a time of major major squeezing of creativity uh that can come out so many stories through this time uh, being told through so many different new mediums of storytelling uh definitely a challenge for me uh, is being a young black woman and i don't believe that this was a challenge that i had because it was covid 19. i think i would have had the challenges before which i was and i'll continue to have the challenges in the future as to where i'm, I'm headed I, I think as the youth we struggle to be taken seriously as women, uh, we struggle to be heard. And as black women, uh, we struggle to exist uh, in, in spaces that constantly tell us who we are and how we are to fully exist. Um, and so for me, it was really about holding my ground uh, to say, I am creating work during this time. I'm privileged. I'm so, so grateful and humbled uh, at the opportunity that the South African State Theatre has given me uh, yet at the same time, I had very real challenges. Walking into an institution that has been running since before I, I was in the womb um, and, and saying, all right, guys, this is my vision. Uh, see life through the eyes of a 23-year-old black South African woman who's dibbled and dabbled and traveled a bit and is constantly trying to find a place called home through art and creativity. Um, and asking people, would they be willing to house me uh, artistically, uh, mentor me, look after me, support me, um, and, and sort of waking up with those everyday reminders, realities that that's not how it works. Um, and so I think, yeah, for me, definitely my biggest challenge, my biggest challenges were, are, will continue to be the fact that I'm a young black woman uh, so invested in what I'm doing. But then again, I say it's not about the challenges. Uh, it's about how have I chosen to overcome them? You know, you probably hear about trusting the process. Um, yeah. and, and really, what does that look like uh, to trust the process? Uh, because the process can also exploit you. It can exhaust you. It can drain you. It yeah. can eat at your soul. It can belittle you. Um, but it's really about saying, how do I trust the end goal? Um, and how is my process allowing me to get there? Um, even if sometimes the process is not a safe space. How do you then, um, talking in terms of like um, pushing the goal and like not giving up, like how do you 
learn to deal with that because with me personally i struggle sometimes and as you mentioned sometimes the vision belittles you when it makes you feel like especially when it's time where you feel like you're not getting anywhere how do you how do you deal with that i cry yo i'm going to be so honest with you <laughs> i i cry i cry um and i do a lot of crying i'm not even going to lie i do so much of it um uh, but uh, crying allows me to deal with the issue currently yeah uh, crying allows me to be selfish enough to actually finally focus on myself yeah to acknowledge that i'm not doing okay um and and saying one has to fail before they can win yeah one has to be last before they can be first uh, one just has to keep going i mean one has to trust time and it's hard to trust something that we're not in control of um but definitely i cry i'm not even going to lie i cry i take my owls um <laughs> and i pick them up but i never tweet about my owls yeah, i never yeah. message my owls um i never call people out on their bullshit um mm. because it, it's about how can i do what i need to do for for others not about what others can do for me yeah um and so i always have to humble myself i have to allow myself to fall i have to make mistakes i have to apologize i have to admit that i don't always have it together and sometimes i have to be weak or vulnerable or emotional or actually just keep quiet when i don't want to do it and 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 in that not selling myself to the devil not forgetting who i am uh not forgetting the struggle but but acknowledging that i'm not perfect and i'm and and i'm okay with with not always being okay um and i think that that, that genuine approach that more authentic approach that more sensitive approach approach that oftentimes we're told in the work sphere doesn't exist because you won't get anywhere or is used against you as an artist as being weak and sensitive i always know that once i've taken a good cry and a good nap i can bounce back and 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 give it a shot and, and come through much more harder than and give it 125% 125% yeah definitely i i i really like um like the way you like you know explain yourself and like describe how you actually you know uh take time to cry and let it all out and uh, you know just release it and start all over it's kind of like difficult sometimes for me personally yeah. and the reason why i'm asking you is because like i want to also learn from the next person because i feel like we deal with things differently but yes. um <laughs> enough of the of the mushy stuff but uh let's talk about uh metsy right uh which is going to be um put out on the 28th of September 2020 right so the 18th of October 2020 sorry to be correct um you are the writer of the play um and could you can you tell me um like give us like a background of what Metsy is because i was also just like um asking myself like because i read obviously uh, about uh the the the, the brief description of umetsi but i just want a much more in depth um you know um idea of what metsi is okay well like you've said uh you sort of read the synopsis 
Um, mm. So I'm gonna hardly touch on the synopsis, though I do want to say that Mitzi Mitzi was written and directed uh, by myself, Hannah Van Donder. Um, it's a story about the connection between uh, two characters named Juliet Zulu uh, and and Mutsoule Mukubung, played by Balindile Kangobo and. Uh, Abongile Maurice Machuchu. Um, uh, it's a couple who sort of reside in the community of Emton Jenny, and uh, they are uh, they are trying to bring life into a society uh, that oftentimes kills life, uh, whether it be through drought or through flooding. And they've sort of got these two uh, uh, sort of uh, guardian angels or or spiritual guide guiders, uh, Iskati and uh, and Mshaba played by Kolisile Bongwana and Tulisile Binda. Um, sort of what happens when you have nothing to give but the inner being in you. Um, I was really uh, grateful to have uh, the work dramaturged by Paul Nuku, who is a an award-winning South African a theater practitioner and a community group development uh, project manager. Um, but really where the, where the story comes from is a question I had to ask myself about what is home um, and, and who, who becomes home and, and how hard is it to accept self as home. Um, and many a times we run to spaces to try create uh, a home. We run to relationships to, to try create a home. Um, and so for me, I was really interested in this dichotomy between uh, spiritual life and spiritual death and how water is a constant variable in these conversations. Uh, water is used for, for cleansing, for bathing, for washing of clothes, for, for cleaning dirty spaces, uh, for drinking, for tea and coffee, Um for so many things, the body is made up of 70% water. And I was just really interested in, in sort of these, these polar opposites, these binaries of, of what time and nature uh, can do with water and what they can also do without water and how humans oftentimes we believe we've got control over these elements, these natural elements, but we don't. Um, and yeah, just... Just seeing how how your everyday relationship, your everyday people are so underdocumented in this country. And and saying, but actually as South Africans, as black South Africans, we are water wells of stories, of knowledge, um, of resources. And how then do I use creative, stylistic, uh, dramatic ways uh, to bring these issues into light? Okay. And when you were writing, uh, what were some of the themes that you wanted to explore or exploring this theme? I was very interested in this idea of the hard-working uh, woman in particular and how the hard-working woman uh, has to be physically active um, before she can be accepted as woman, um, specifically around fertility and and the desires of 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 producing seeds um and and how creating strong black female characters uh, that don't have to be driven through the sob sad story um of a black woman's broken perspective but an actual fact 
can be told and paid homage to uh, by a man, by a lover, by an other, by somebody who is able to share uh, sort of the most crown gem uh, of a woman, which is supposedly her fertility. Of course, these are all things up for debate and I'm ready to tackle those challenges. Um, but for me, that's really something that I wanted to try capture in the work. And, and the biggest theme, the biggest focus is, is that of the Black woman, the story, the struggle, the journey of the Black woman. And in terms of like, still within the, the writing process, um, I was listening to the Zoom chat you had with the team. And you said that you took around about two years to, to, to write the story of Meitzi. Um, so what was the process like when, when writing um, the story of Meitzi? Oh, wild. Okay. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Uh, State Theatre appreciates it. So thank you for that. Um, wow. Very wild. I think I was so in my feels at the time. And I was sort of like, I mean, I'm young now, but I mean, back then I was like 20, 21. Um, so I was just also like highly dramatic, super in my feels. Um, my crush uh, was ignoring me on social media. Um, and I'd received a very interesting letter uh, from, uh, what is it? Uh, adoption agency in Don Don. Um, and they, they got some very interesting information for me about my biological family. Um, but I was also very interested in how I wasn't interested in pursuing that. Um, yet I was crying uh, tears not in Trana, over a boy who was ignoring me on social media. Um, and, and in that moment, I questioned my values. I questioned my identity. Uh, I questioned, I think, so many things about myself that essentially I just wrote myself a letter with many questions. And I told myself that you have to respond. And so I think that's really where the play came out of was me asking myself questions um, and, and forcing myself almost to respond to those questions. Um, and then bringing it to my dramaturg, Paul Nuku, who is a creative mastermind of his own, who looked at that script and I excited like a little puppy saying, what do you think? And him looking at me saying, you know what? That's a cock story. Where's the drama? Where's the action? We're natives. We want to see blood. Um, and me really sort of taking the owl, having a good cry and saying, okay, cool. Uh, how do we better it? Um, but in actual fact, realizing, and especially I think for my dramaturg, realizing that it's not that Metsi was ever a bad story that needed help. Um, but Metsi was simply highlighting the human condition that we don't often get to speak about, which is how do we choose to remember ourselves and each other as black people? Um, how do we find the connection from the past to the current to the present? Um, and him being honest to say, you know, you are a young kid, I didn't know if I could trust in the story um, and me applying to festival after festival, application after application, NAC, stop ignoring me, get into my emails, you owe me a response. Um, and, and then finally receiving the platform and the opportunity from State Theatre to say, okay, kid, what do you have for us? 
um, and me saying, you know what, this work has been rejected I don't know how many times. But I'm I'm a sucker for the underdog becoming the winner story. And I said, I'm 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 applying this and let's see. Um and State Theatre accepted my proposal and from there it started feeling real. And as soon as it started feeling real, um the story really started picking up, really started taking shape. So that was roughly my 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 time and my journey. I think there was definitely a time I thought, ooh, yeah, Metsy is gag. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, but, but, but sometimes uh, the role of tough love, the mentor has to play the role of tough love um, for them to, to allow you to see your own potential and not be swayed or moved by uh, the voices of the world. It actually, you know, it proves everything that, you know, anything is possible out there and you can do yes. it by yourself. Yes. Anything you can push and get to the goal that you would like to achieve. And and you telling me that um, it felt real. How, how did you handle that moment, you know? Because uh, I always just ask myself as well, like, am I ever going to be ready for yeah. moments? Like when it really comes and it gets real. Uh, what do I do now or what mm. way forward so how was you how was that um, moment for you you know supreme it, it's it's so interesting that you say that because I think self-doubt is so deeply embedded um, in in our day-to-day conversation especially around elders who who speak about the youth because oftentimes they're speaking about a transition period that they don't understand. And instead of admitting or acknowledging that, uh, it turns into uh, the youth don't know what they're doing. And so oftentimes us as a youth have this belief that we first have to study. We first have got to get all of these qualifications. We've got to get 10 years of experience uh, before we we can believe in ourselves or know what we're doing. And I mean, yes, we can sit and say it could be one of the many entrapments of uh, capitalism at its finest. Um, But politics aside, it really is about waking yourself up as an individual and saying, no, but actually look at my privileges. Um, I could have been uh, worse off. Um, I, I could have, you know, had excuses to keep me back and hinder me. I could have been caught up in bitterness or the insecurity of when will I finally be enough? Um, and so for me, it's really about taking charge of self and taking ownership of the work. Like I said, I'm a crybaby. When I realized that this is real, I sat and cried and I was like, wow, 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 wow. Well, am I really that vessel? Am I not just another black girl? And in that moment, I I was told that, uh, that I am the next black girl, that the other black girl, uh, doesn't need to look at to say this is another black girl but to say this is yet another black girl um and so for me it was about that it was about saying all right if i've been blessed with small opportunities and i've done them well in order for me to receive this big one then i am deserving and actually i need to step up to the plate and actually i need to not uh, allow myself to have whimsy and flimsy excuses um i need to because when does an opportunity like this come again i mean supreme during a lockdown i was in rehearsals um 
you're an artist you would know very well how crazy uh, those realities are essentially we were low-key performing illegal stunts under the sake and the name of preserving culture heritage and history um and so for me i'm honored and i'm proud and i'm privileged uh to simply be a pinky toe in the many footsteps that are yet to come to change the face of what uh, the arts and entertainment within this country within africa and in in on into international scales uh, a bee um i believe that every generation uh, can birth a classic and so why not say okay i am creating a classic because i am a classic because my pure existence in this moment currently with the skills that i have is is something that not everybody is is bestowed upon not everybody gets um and so if i've been put on this this pedestal let me not fall off let me not have excuses of youth or age or insecurities but definitely let me be honest to say i need help i need provision i need mentorship i need partnership i need collaboration i need this interview because your viewers now will become my viewers um and to not work alone uh, but to work within the pockets of community uh, that that oftentimes uh, we don't know exist or we are too scared to jump into yeah okay oh you say you say quite a lot and it's really so motivational and as i'm listening to you i'm really getting hyped up and the energy <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> It's like I needed to I needed this moment and I needed to have this conversation with oh, you today. And, and I'm really thankful for everything that you are sharing with me right now. Um I'll definitely take, you know, everything, you know, that you that you've said to me right now. Um so in terms of um the and so Metsy is going to be streaming on YouTube, right? It um, is. So so how did you adapt uh, the setting for the whole digital space? Oh lovely lovely you asked the questions of my heart. So, 2020 <laughs> covid-19 strikes in March and I have to move back home for a short period of time and I'm fortunate enough to have Netflix or I'm fortunate to have my father's Netflix account. Um and I remember March uh Netflix was pushing uh Tiger King. Um I don't know if you were part of the craze or the hype But there were a couple it was Tiger King 90 Day Fiance mm. Too Hot to Handle it was a lot of sort of like uh, reality shows and then parallel uh, these documentaries these very uh, you know Harvey Weinstein uh, you know a, a very a very triggering emotional uh, documentaries that were specifically created in the last 5 years um which oftentimes we believe a documentary is something where we only speak about the 1900s but Netflix opening up and saying nah guys we are the future and the future is now let's do it um and so getting washed up in this Netflix American uh saga i realized that binge watching is becoming the new normal um and so i said okay how do i create a piece of theater where my audience wants to binge watch where my audience makes watching my work online a normality um and yet uh, making sure that my audience is still reminded that the real world exists is still reminded that a form of connection and connectivity that the live space of performance arts brings um and so i said okay how do i 
how do I not trick my audience? Because I'm not trying to tell my audience, you are mesmerized. You are now watching a piece of film. No, 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 no. Get a play, right? Yeah. And yet at the same time, I'm not get caught up in those very stereotypical, uh, you know, uh, I call them a, a cinematic uh, movie uh, piracy moments where you go to the movie houses, somebody is sitting with their phone camera just awkwardly up recording, you know? Yeah. And I didn't want that that awkwardness where the audience watches and goes, eh, it uh, didn't really work out. Ne? Maybe we need the original. We need to go to the theater and sort of clock out. And so I said, how do I, how do I reach both? Um, because I'm also wanting to attract a new audience uh, uh, to gauge uh, for participation, uh, but still not lose the value in the essence. And so I said, all right, we're doing everything in one take. Um, and I think that was maybe one of the biggest challenges for our DOPs, um, for the editor, uh, for sound and lighting. It's very important for us to say, if you are sitting with a piece of theater, you sit once, you watch once. Okay, maybe you have a 15-minute interval and you come back. But it's a, it's a, it's a one-sit experience. And so I said, okay, how do we use cinematic tools to create that one-sitting one moment experience where if mistakes are made uh, they are seen they're visible uh, yet we are still uh, in awe um, of the reality of stage lights and performance uh, stage performance live performance and the theatricals of the theatricalities of of, of that um, and so it was very tricky because firstly I had to find a creative team who understood what I was speaking about. Mm. But how do you find a group of people to uh, execute your vision when your vision is new in its era? Yeah. Um, and so firstly convincing uh, my creative team that my story was legit and then convincing my creative team that their purpose in the work uh, was legit and worthwhile um and then of course uh, acknowledging that this is something new and because it's new how do we bring how do we reinvent it how do we bring it afresh and new and so for me it was really about making sure that we try find the space very fine line between uh, cinematic uh, tools to to film something that's pleasurable to the eye, um, but then also uh, make a piece of work that audiences chala and they want to watch it live and mm. they want to catch every detail. I think one technique I definitely pushed uh, in the rehearsal process uh, was slow fade in lighting um, because I know that quick lighting changes are harsh on the eye when we record it. And theater is all about those quick lighting changes, you know? So how do we slow it down um, in order for for transitions to be uh, viewed uh, pleasantly? And I, I just remember getting into a lot of fights with my lighting designer and, uh, because I would say, uh, slow fade. And he'd be like, it's already slow fades on, on 30 seconds. And I'd say, add an extra 32, add an extra 25. <laughs> And that thing of like, we only have five lighting cues and they all take an hour long. And I'm like, and that's okay. It's okay for change. It's okay to think differently about theater. Um, 
uh, yeah uh, even how how to set up the set so that the performers can perform as if they were performing in a 360 as if an audience member felt that they were live with the performers seeing them backstage and seeing them on stage um and teaching the performers that they needed each other because us as an audience don't exist now um we don't exist as a live audience you can't feed off of the chuckles that your tommies will have there in in the second row um we don't get high off the laughs and the moments of standing ovations and the warmth that uh, that live laughter or, or soundscapes bring um but in actual fact having to trust in the story that they're telling and trust in their artistic creative abilities uh to work together together as a team in order for us as viewers at home to feel as if it's a full house to feel as if we are sitting in the best seat in the theater with these performers performing to us directly at home okay and uh, the performers the, the performers um themselves i i do see the names of Odisile Tulisile, Abongile, and as well as Balindile. Balindile, right? So, like, what, what is the vibe? What is the vibe with the people? Like, how was it like meeting them and getting to know them? Besides knowing them on like theater and meeting, but workspace. on a personal level, like on workspace, mm. and was it very difficult for you to, um, you know, get to the end goal of creating this masterpiece? Um so my cast oh my superstar cast I love those guys <laughs> so I I like I said I'm a bit of a nerd I'm a bit of a uh yeah um and but but anyway I essentially for the last 4 to 6 years have been watching my cast in different works um and really sort of uh, auditioning them um through what I had seen them do Um, and then I asked myself the question, okay, of course I'd like to work with these people because they're the best in the industry. Uh they are the current generation of top artists in the country, blah 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 blah. Uh most of them are award winners and award nomin- uh, nominated performers. Um but I was also then very interested in what I hadn't seen them do. So I think I was very fortunate majority of my cast have done film and that was also something I put into consideration to say if the work is being filmed we would need people who have an understanding of uh working in front of a camera and feeling comfortable in front of a camera. Uh but also then saying all right um I've got uh, uh some of South Africa's top dancers um how do I put them in a place where i haven't seen them before where their fans will be surprised to see them and where those who they didn't even realize would become their fans would be able to become their fans i wanted to work with people who i knew would be able to inspire um i wanted to work with people who i knew would be able to teach me as well as be humbled enough uh to be taught um and i think there was always a joke because i'm sort of the kid in the group and uh, my youngest cast members about 2 3 years older than me um and so it's also those and then the oldest is i think about 13 years older than me um and so having a forehander with such a a vast uh, we say gilik with, with such a vast group um of practitioners um for me i felt like they were waiting for this opportunity even though they were not sitting down and waiting i think for some of them it was their first time even hearing who i was yeah. um and uh, only god knows why they decided to say yes 
um but but definitely saying all right how do we how do we take what we have take what we've been taught and how do we just take it to another level and how do we push it and i i really push to say i wanted to work with uh artists who were willing and ready uh to seize the opportunity um and to go big or to go home and also to just kill uh the the talents and 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 the long years and hours of training that they had um and so there are parts of the piece where i know my cast is proud to say i the director can't own that that's me um and that's what i wanted i wanted my cast to be able to say this is me because as soon as they believe in the story and they believe in their art and what they're doing uh, how much more will us as an audience believe in what we are watching believe in the experience that is yet to take place yeah i feel like you need to believe in yourself firstly Yes. you know in order for other people to believe in you and what you're putting out yes. you know um it sounds like a very a very fun um you know a uh, bunch of uh, people that you have as the cast and you know it's it's much more better when you have like people that that can that you are compatible with and you know vibe with you know outside of theater and you know i'm sure you guys are like a family right now when you've built that relationship right Yeah, of course. I mean, you say that, but also uh I- I'm so focused and driven, right? And I always say that there are no friends in the game. Yeah. I'm not here because of friends. I didn't come here to make friends. I'm not your friend. Um and and finding that strength, finding that self-discipline um and sometimes almost forcing uh, that power in the space in order to be respected um in order to be taken seriously uh by a, a group of very experienced uh, multi-talented from various disciplines within the arts fraternity um and and so yeah there were times where we were not friends <laughs> there were times where people were thinking of possibly you know calling in sick today because they didn't know if they could cope including myself um and so there were definitely those realities and and i actually believe that it was in those realities where we were all fighting to get the best out of the single story uh that's where bond came bond didn't come in the moments of uh of lunch breaks uh, and and sharing stories uh the bond came in in the moments where the rehearsal felt like it, it was never going to end for that day um where the tension uh of real covid uh, 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 stress you know because if any of us got covid 19 we'd all have to close shop for 14 days yeah. taking 14 days out of uh, uh production uh meaning we'd be delayed um and so we also were were performing and participating in those realities of constraints as well as time And so I mean of course we've shared pies we've shared donuts we've got inside jokes like you said yeah. you watched all of us laughing at each other uh, on the webinar um but definitely uh, I'd like to say it was the struggle it was the push it was the passion uh, to tell the story and to get it right that really uh, brought us uh, as a as a as a group of I guess solo artists together um and on and on common ground Okay, it is Active Podcast. You can hit us up, of course, at outside radio underscore on IG. But uh, you can definitely visit our website, which is www.outsideradio.live. Thank you so much to Hannah. 
for coming through to my show. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Before before we we we, we wrap up the conversation, um, how can people view Umeti? Right. Um, as I mentioned before, um, guys, it is going to be happening between the 28th of September till the 18th of October 2020. Right. Yes. Um. All right. So. The work is being screened um, through the South African State Theatre. So what I would encourage uh, our listeners to do is to please, 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 uh, you can put it in your web address, uh, South African State Theatre uh, website or South African State Theatre online. You can go to their South African State Theatre Facebook page. Um, and essentially, you would be subscribing for free to the South African State Theatre's uh, website. Um, and once you subscribe for free, you then get to watch uh, Metsi for free. Uh, the show is an hour long, so I suggest uh, getting at least one gig of Datanyana. Uh, you'll be safe. Um, and that's really <laughs> where you can see the work screening uh, on YouTube. Um, with regards to other spaces, uh, currently we're taking every opportunity as it comes. And so uh, for now, that's, that's where we're debuting um, and that's where we're enjoying it. Okay, so where are the other platforms that people can catch you, um, Hannah, personally? You can definitely catch me um, Instagram. I am the Black Hannah, H A N N A H. I think I'm the only Black Hannah um, on Instagram, uh, or not the only Black Hannah, but the the only homie who's got that name who also happens to be Black. Um, uh, you can catch us. Uh, our sketch productions on Facebook at Sketch Productions, one word, on Twitter at Sketch Productions with an X. So P R O D I Production C X N S. My bad. And you can yeah. also catch Sketch Productions on Instagram. Um, that's uh, Sketch Productions 18 at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and you should be able to find everything there from Sketches Facebook. Um, but also, really, you can just Google the girl. You can Google Sketch Productions. If that's too much work, always just put it in to Google, and I promise you, you will see us pop up. Okay, so in terms of, like, uh, any last words you would like to share with the people? Any last words? Yes. You can't bury a seed. Can you elaborate more about that? I'm going to say you said it's the last word. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You can't bury a seed. Thank you so much for for pulling through onto the active podcast. Supreme, thanks so much, and and also just thanks so much to what you guys do uh, to to young artists, uh, to young black artists in particular. Uh, we need so many more spaces and platforms that what you guys have been able to create. And uh, honestly, uh, from myself and behalf of the sketch productions team, uh, we just like to say a huge thank you. Thank you so much for for just paying us attention uh, because sometimes support needs to be bigger than a face like um it needs to be a moment of, of action um and so for us we've really taken this as a as a step of faith and a moment of action so we really really are grateful and privileged for this uh, experience and this opportunity and we also know that it definitely won't be the last not from us and definitely not from what you guys are doing so just keep going keep pushing passion we are behind you guys 110 percent. thank you so much thank you so much to you hannah as well and uh, for the lovely and kind words uh we out guys it is active podcast my name is supreme soul 
Be safe out there, guys, and take care till we meet again.